0: Hello and welcome to episode number 130 of the DBSA podcast. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books and with me today is Elise from Smart Bitches and author Helen K. Diamond. We talk about action movies, action adventure romance, spies, why there should be more spies in romance, what you should do when you really want to blow stuff up, and fearlessness. The audio gets a little bit muddy around 22 and 26 minutes. I apologize. We were going to throw Helen K. down a well. And she was about halfway down. We decided to think better of that and then try it again. So the, the quality gets a little bad before we fish her back out of the well. So I apologize for the quality of the audio and also to Helen Kay, apparently, for throwing her down a well. This podcast is brought to you by Intermix, publisher of Bear Attraction, the new sizzling hot novella in the Shifters Unbound series from New York Times bestselling author Jennifer Ashley. Now it's on sale now wherever fine ebooks are sold. The music in this podcast is always provided by sassy outwater you can find her on twitter at sassy outwater and i will have information at the end of the podcast as to who this is and where you can buy it and one more piece of housekeeping news the original name of this podcast which if you've been listening for a while you know was dear bitches smart authors which was a pastiche of smart bitches and dear author because jane and i often co-host And then iTunes said, we don't like that it has the word bitches in the title, which I rolled my eyes a lot and I figured, well, I'm under the gun. They're threatening to take down the podcast. We'll just make initials, DBSA. So we've been the DBSA podcast, which is totally cool and no one has said a word, but I noticed the following. There is an organization called DBSA, which I did not realize. It is the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance, and they are a four-star charity navigator rated organization to provide hope, help, support, and education to improve the lives of people who are living with mood disorders. I had no idea that we were sharing our name with this organization or that our names were the same, but I thought, hey, maybe you would like to know about this. So DBSA can be found online at dbsaalliance.org, and they have chapters all over the United States. And if you have depression or a mood disorder and you need help, that organization or many others can help you out a lot. So don't be afraid to get help. And now... On with the podcast. So Elise is a big fan of romantic suspense and romantic adventure. And she asked specifically, no pressure, Elise, if we could interview (laughs) you because she just wanted to squee everywhere.
1: I did. Oh my goodness. I love you, well, Elise.
2: Thank you. Oh, you're <laughs> welcome. So this is my test of a really good author. Um, I am a terrible flyer. Absolutely awful. And I was flying to New Jersey, and I was reading the first book in the Bad Boys Undercover,
0: Playing right. Dirty.
2: And I was like, oh, look at that. We're landing. What happened? I didn't have a single panic attack in the middle of this entire awful flight. <laughs> so that to me, like if I, I could read a book that completely gets me to forget the fact that I'm terrified, then... That's a that's a sign of a good book for me. And it was like you wrote that book entirely of Elise Catnip. Like you called me and was and we were like, What can I put in here that you would just park up and get all excited about?
1: You can tell from that book that I have the mentality of like a twelve year old boy. Um, you know, my favorite things are like kind of action movie. I love things exploding. I like guys like bonding, you know. It's <laughs> totally.
2: Yes. But see, I'm a huge action movie fan too, and I think I like my romantic suspense that you're kind of in that fantasy world where you know bad things aren't really going to happen. The bad guys have um, thugs that are kind of interchangeable, and they're not important. It's the guy in the red shirt, right? As opposed to the romantic suspense that's a little darker and grittier, and we we get more into serial killers, and there's a guy stalking me, and he's in the basement.
0: and um, Someone's going to get raped. yeah
2: yeah i'm not you know i'm okay with rape is like a backstory but i'm not crazy about reading it in the middle of my fiction because i'm reading romance novels largely just to kind of escape and so i don't really want to be depressed and saddened if that makes
1: sense you know i think part of and and Trust me, you know, I like a good serial killer tale as much as the rest of them, but it's um <laughs> uh, and I, you know I have the I have the book on on my laptop where you know the girl's in the shower and she comes out of the shower, and everybody in her house is dead. I have that book I you know, I haven't tried to sell it, but I have that book, but you know, I think what happens is like you think of books you glom onto, like I love Julie Garwood's historicals, right? so I can go and I can read six of them in a row, you know, and I come out with a certain feeling. It is hard to read six serial killer books in a row or six books where the heroine has been physically attacked. I mean, you know, you don't come out with a good, feel good romance feeling. Like you, you feel kind of like humanity (laughs) sucks. Um, I love those books too. It's just harder for me to read like six in a row. Whereas action books... I mean you're right you take that step back and what you what you're doing is you're just thinking of like kind of big heroic the woman he, the the heroine is going to be fine the hero even if I stab him throw him off a bridge or whatever is going to be fine it's kind of that Jason Bourne yes. 24 you know it's that kind of thing where everybody is going to be fine and the one kind of promise i make with this series like I made to myself is that um, no heroine in this series is going to at any time be in the position where you think she's about to be sexually attacked. I I just think it's, I, I, again, I don't have any problem. Like I I think some authors do it unbelievably well, Mm -hmm. but I just didn't want that in this series. I just didn't.
0: I think sometimes that one of the things that's going on in romance is that The terms that we have for the genres within romance, the subgenres within romance, are too big. So if I say contemporary romance... I could be talking about Debbie Maycomber, and you could be talking about, oh, I don't know, Maya Banks, right. and those are not the same thing. <laughs> and then if you say Maya Banks, there's two different flavors of Maya Banks. So you could be talking about romantic suspense with guns, or you could be talking like, you know, three ways and possibly six ways. There's there's a difference, but those are both contemporary romances. I think in a related problem for many readers, myself included, Romantic suspense is too big of a term because romantic suspense houses you and Cherry Adair, who who are writing adventure action romance, and then it houses books like um, J.D. Robb and the Nora Roberts suspense, which are almost always somewhat grittier, especially the J.D. Robbs, there's a bunch of serial killers. I always, I always wonder, like, how do you, how do you do that thing where you reread them all in a row? Like, how? What, <laughs> my brain would be like, no, really, you need to never read another thing again. <laughs> right. And then you also have in romantic suspense the very violent psychological thriller romantic suspenses, and you have the sort of um, police drama romantic suspenses, and they're all slightly different. And there's no good term to describe what you do. So I think saying that you write action, adventure, romance, it makes a lot more sense to me yes. than saying that you write romantic suspense. Because I say romantic suspense, and you could be thinking, oh, okay, well, someone's going to, you know, uh, hotwire a boat and go steal a car and it's going to be awesome, like the born identity. And somebody else could be like, oh, rape. No. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, for me, I really like more action, romantic suspense. So your books, um, L. Kennedy, who else? Vivian Aaron did a very cool series about mountain rescue. Yes. And that's the kind of stuff I'm looking for. I think as a reader, and and I do like those those thrillers too, but I tend to read more straight thrillers if I want a serial killer because for me it's too hard to reconcile that fear with still getting to a satisfying emotional resolution between the hero and heroine. Like I need more time to process what just happened, so I have a hard time to – believing that
1: they're going to get
2: together me too and And i I
1: also i also have a hard time in those kind of um sometimes with the you know the the heroine has been sexually assaulted she's been raped whatever has happened and then it's like i'm supposed to have them like stop drop and have sex you know i mean in the
0: stairwell while the guys bad guys are chasing them don't forget It's danger boner. Danger boner in the stairwell. The bad guys are on floor two and they are on floor nine, but he could get the job done.
1: I I always call that stop, drop and roll. (laughs) (laughs) It's just just like, look, there's somebody right there with a gun and I can see him. Let's quick have sex. And it's just like, what
2: is happening? (laughs) I think, you know, there's a part of me too, that's getting really tired of, um, women duct taped to chairs. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh. You know what I mean? And, and I don't like stories where the hero, where the heroine has to be in physical danger for the hero to realize he has feelings for her. Of course. Because if, if her physical jeopardy is, is the device used for him to make an emotional, um, make an emotional connection that, that bothers me. I feel like we're talking a lot about what we don't like and not about how awesome your books are.
0: <laughs> well, it, it's it's a really hard thing, I think, for readers to approach the romantic suspense genre and know that they're going to get the kind of book that they're looking for and avoid the kind of books that they can't read. Like so, like many readers, there's a lot of things that I cannot allow into my imagination or I won't sleep for a week. Yeah. So it's it's a hard conversation to have. Do you ever encounter that problem when you're marketing your books?
1: Yeah, in fact, I had with this series somebody uh, a reader wrote me and said you need to stop calling it romantic suspense. You need to call it spy thick, which I had actually what? never. Heard spy of yeah. Yes, but like yeah, and it's um I was like, okay, I haven't really heard of that, but she's like, you don't you're not writing for this series. It's not women in peril. It's it's you know, frankly it's like the world in peril, but it's it's spy stuff, and people like spy stuff. And I was like, okay, I'll, you know, frankly, you can call it a toaster oven if you want. As long as you read it, I don't. You know, I mean, that's that's how this works. Like, I write it, and people, yep. Then it's up to you to envision what you think it is. What I can say is like, I know Sarah doesn't like women in peril, children in peril. So that's I can true. say to her, um you don't have to worry. In fact, in the kickoff novella, he's the one tied to the chair. She has drugged him. Yes, the heroine has drugged him and tied him to a chair, which was so much fun. She's an MI6 officer. So it was so much fun to have like, kind of the tables turned. And one of the things I love about that book is the hero CIA, the heroine's MI6. And he, by the end of the book, really does have the sense of, she's a lot tougher than I am. Like, she can (laughs) kick my butt. She really can. And he finds that hot, not scary or threatening. And um, so that was a lot of fun to read.
0: There is somebody right now listening saying, give it to me now. So what is the name (laughs) of that novella? Please say it
1: so everyone will know and go by. It's Running Hot. Running Hot. Okay. it's, It's basically how, like, in... In the series, there's a group called the Alliance, which is kind of a a task force that's set up from former MI6 people, former uh, CIA people, some retired military, and they're not bound by any of the rules of any of those, which makes it easier for me to do whatever I want to do. But Running Hot is kind of how it gets set up, and it's basically CIA and MI6 are both on Fiji, because um, like there's do. a dictator, like a former dictator hiding there um and uh they get in each other's way because neither knows the other is there going after this guy so yes
2: yes and i love that novella and my, i think the best part was so she knocks him out twice, <laughs> twice and ties him up and then his partner from the cia who's also undercover with him shows up and and just gives him shit for the rest of the book like do you because when they they do eventually partner up he's like do you do you need me to hang out with you? Like, are you okay with her? Or do you, do you want my gun? Are you going to be okay? You know, cause
1: that is what a guy would do. Oh, right? absolutely.
2: The, yes. The,
1: the guy, um, I had somebody write me and they said, well, he didn't seem very nice. I'm not, cause he's the friend is the hero then in playing dirty. The first single title. And they're like, well, he doesn't seem very nice. I'm like, I have two older brothers and they could go at it until like, it was like a death match. So the idea <laughs> that, you know, you walk in, and your your buddy's tied to a chair, drugged on the floor, and the woman got away. Oh, he would he would go after that all day, thinking that's hysterical.
2: <laughs> and I agree with you. Like I love the Born Identity. I love the new um, James Bond reboot with Daniel Craig. I I was really upset when um, now I can't think of the name of the show. Human Target was canceled. Yeah. even though it was super cheesy. I loved that. You know, I, I think those are the the stories that I want to read, and I want that action fantasy. I want Jason Bourne to drive me around Paris
0: in his Mini Cooper. You know, right. I don't. That, Who that's, doesn't want to do a chase through the sewers in a Mini Cooper? Exactly. I'm all over that. What is so, wrong with people? <laughs> I know, honestly.
2: So that's that's the kind of romantic suspense that I'm looking for.
1: Me too. I I love that kind of like fast paced adrenaline high where it feels like the stakes are high, both emotional and literally physical, like, you know, a toxin can get out and destroy whatever. Um, but it, you know, it's like when you did you watch the TV show 24? It's mm-hmm. like, it, you know, I, I used to love that show, especially at the very beginning, because, um, you know, literally it's 24 hours and Jack could be shot in hour one and by hour three, he's, you know, repelling off a building. Like, it's so, like, that probably isn't particularly realistic on what the human body can do, but it felt fine. And the stuff Jack did in 24, you know, I think if, if I read that real humans were doing that, I would be horrified. But there's something about in that moment, that kind of heroic putting himself in front of everybody type of thing that's really... I don't know. I it's, it's like an adrenaline high. I just want to keep watching.
0: Well, it's a, it's like adrenaline romance.
1: Yeah, it really is. It really is. It and really is.
0: And it's not about the psychological creep factor, although that adds to the suspense. And it's not about the um your your fear of the of the hero or heroine's bodily safety. It's more <laughs> like, okay, they're going to rappel out of a helicopter and jump down and land perfectly on a speedboat. Excellent. <laughs> right. Next scene.
2: <laughs> well, and I think for me, you know, when I'm reading these books, I have less of a fear of a toxin being released into the whatever general atmosphere and causing my death than I do of having a crazy person kidnap me in right. the parking lot of the grocery store. Right. So So, um, which maybe I shouldn't because we just had an anthrax scare here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, uh, <laughs> it was actually in the news recently, a college student at the university I went to. Made anthrax in his house and was planning on releasing it in one of the buildings uh, and killing a bunch of people. And the FBI was here, and it
0: was, like, all kinds of crazy stuff. Don't you live in, like, a town of, like, 800 people? Um, 80,000. Oh, so I was going to say. Like, (laughs) I thought you lived in this teeny tiny town, and I was like, there's no way that nobody knew about that. (laughs) Well, and
2: interestingly, how the FBI and the police got involved was his uh, one of his, I believe, chemistry professors alerted them because they said the kid was just asking questions that were worrying to him um but yeah I mean there and it was it was crazy because this happened way on the other side of town and I turned on my cell phone one day and was logging onto Wi-Fi and it was like FBI 1 and I was like holy shit (laughs) 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 I I couldn't get on I didn't have the password I definitely tried though Um, oh you know
0: everyone in the neighborhood tried
2: So maybe I should be more scared of things like that, but I'm not. It's easier for me to dissociate. Well, and I think
1: also, you know, if you, uh, part of what I love about writing this kind of um, action, adventure, romantic, suspense, oven, again, whatever you want to call it, um, is that uh, it's this group of people kind of all fighting whatever the bad it is. And there's something about setting it up in a way where they are bonded and they are willing to take the risk that I think when I read these books, when I ha- when it has that kind of band of brothers feeling, mm-hmm. um, you feel even more secure that it's going to be okay because right. it's it's a whole lot of competent people who can shoot better than I can, who can hide better than I can, who can certainly run faster than I can. Um, so th- it, that's going to be okay. So I can settle in and enjoy like, like Jason Bourne is not going to be killed in the first movie, right? You, nope. Like you can settle in and enjoy that no matter what they do to him, yep. throw him off a building, whatever he's going to be fine.
0: body. he's still alive
1: he still alive. And I actually, um, take a weird perverse pleasure in, um, injuring heroes because like, I think, <laughs> I think, you know, and that's, that started when I was writing for, um, I also write for Harlequin Intrigue. And one of the first Harlequin Intrigues I wrote, um, the hero was shot in like the second chapter. And I remember thinking to myself, Okay, now what am I gonna do? Like I shot the guy. Like now, now I've got to get him through 55,000 words um, in a way that sounds reasonable. But he's the hero. He's got to be big and larger than life. And um, and in the novella, in Running Hot, I mean, he uh, the hero is uh, seriously injured at the at the end of the book. In fact, it's um, not to give it away. He's seriously injured, and after he's seriously injured. there's a scene with a shoulder, like a rocket launcher, a shoulder. And I remember my editor who's Mei Chen, who's amazing at Avon. She said to me, I don't know. I just want him to be even tougher. I'm like, He's really injured <laughs> <laughs> now. <laughs> um, so it ended up working, but it was just funny. She's like, I know, I still want him to be Superman. I don't know why. Uh, so I just think that's how we kind of feel. We want them to be larger than life. And when they're larger than life, you're right, I feel safe.
0: Just- that's oh, awesome. I
2: think there's something too. you wrote a, a intrigue, was it Switched, that was kind of an homage to the um, Die Hard movies? Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. And but there's something about the Die Hard movies that Bruce Willis just gets more and more beat up as, yep. like, by the end of the movie, he's wearing a, a white tank top that's being held together by like one thread in dried blood, right? And, and his
0: arm is dangling behind him by like half a <laughs> and has, tendon,
2: and he has no shoes on, inexplicably, of course not. there's never any shoes on, right? Yes, and I think that, uh that was kind of one of the first movies to do that with the action hero to really yeah. show him beat up. And and yeah. there's something appealing about that too because he keeps going. Yep. Right. Yeah. It's it, he's yeah. obviously very but he's not giving up. And and so you're right, it creates this feeling of safety because he's gonna keep coming. Yep. No matter how injured he is.
0: And it it places the importance on both his physical strength to be able to endure pain, but also his mental strength to come up with some other solution that doesn't require brute strength because, you know, his arm just fell off or is hanging by his side, you know. Right. Because it's just sort of dangling. It's very human, right? It's instead
1: of having the... Um, uh, like I grew up watching action movies. It was like a bonding thing with my dad. I watched sci-fi with my mom, and I watched I watched uh, action with my dad. And I still remember I was young, and we were watching like the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where his daughter is kidnapped, and and his daughter Alyssa Milano, and he goes in to rescue her, and he's he's in. His- I don't know, it's like this compound, and he's one man with a gun, and there are like 300 people shooting him. And I just remember my dad would be like, exactly how much ammunition do you think is in that one? Because <laughs> it was so, it was so like, come on, that, I mean, it, like, it was ridiculous. And there's a, there one of the diehards, um, and Bruce Willis is actually in a truck being chased down by a fighter jet. Yes. It's like, it's, the, it's like, okay, I think you may have jumped a shark here. There, you still have to, even when there are these larger than life, huge, international, whatever is happening, there is a, you have to keep it within a realm of reality that people don't say there's a fighter jet attacking a truck.
2: Yeah, we actually just watched um, Mockingjay last mm-hmm. night. And there's a scene where she shoots down basically yeah. a fighter jet with an arrow. Yes. Right. It's an exploding arrow, but she still shoots down a fighter jet with an arrow. I know. I know. That scene.
1: <laughs> and then, like, she sings soon after that. Yes. That, that. Yes.
2: <laughs> and
1: yeah. my husband
2: kept turning to me going, does this happen in the book? Did this happen in the book?
1: <laughs> I do. You know, you spend a lot of time um, looking at stuff like how can I really make this thing explode? How, can, how? What does it look like when you blow up a helicopter? You know, all of those things to try to um, not have that Hollywood-esque craziness that can come with that.
2: So are you concerned that someone from the government is monitoring your Google search history? <laughs>
1: um, um, we joke about that, but every once in a while I'm like, hmm is it a joke? Um, you know, my husband actually is an attorney for the Navy. So a lot of times I will look at him and be like, can X happen? And, you know, he'll tell me yes or no, or we have friends who are in the military and I can, I can ask uh, some of that, but yeah, it's, if you saw my, you know, like for, um, Uh, you know, for running hot, I'm like looking at diagrams of the Fiji islands, trying to figure out where would be the best place to hide, like all of these wet stinger missiles. And for playing dirty, I was, you know, I looked up the toxins, literally, what could I do to sarin to make it even scarier? I mean, really that's, you know, a search string. And of course, whenever scary search string you type into Google it's already there, which means somebody else has already looked up that scary thing, which is a little frightening, but that's okay. Yeah.
2: So one of the things that I really loved about playing dirty, about this whole series in general, is I love the undercover story. I really love undercover stories because I think I I love that fantasy of, you know, like the, the born identity, where you're just hanging out in um, Europe trying to get stuff done, and This kind of beat-up, handsome guy is like, hey, I'll give you a $1,000 if I can borrow your car. And it turns into this big romantic adventure. And that's kind of what playing dirty was because the heroine is not part of this world, right? And she's falling in love with this guy and is picking up on the fact that eh, he's not being honest about something, but she doesn't think that. Well, he's not being honest about the fact that he's like a former CIA operative now working yes. for this anti-terrorist group, right? I think she's like, he's probably got a crazy wife in the attic. Right. Um, and, and that's just, that's such a fun, uh, such a fun fantasy. And I think it's one of, a lot of readers have.
1: Right. Part of what was fun was I wanted the, um, you know, I wanted Shay to be, that's the heroine's name. I wanted her to be very girl next door. Um, and she literally is girl next door. She lives across the hall from him, um, and I wanted her to be. She isn't somebody who would pick up a stinger missile and know how to shoot it, right? Like she, she's, she's. I wanted that feeling of, you know, she's, she's a, she's basically an apartment manager. She's like a normal, everyday living in the city, getting the business done, and a hottie moves in, um, and so being able to kind of play. Ford, when he's home, fixing her plumbing. That's not a euphemism. He actually does fix her plumbing. And he (laughs) does the euphemism part. But um, being able to play with that and also being able to, you know, he was supposed to be undercover and he was supposed to be watching her. He wasn't supposed to be making contact and he was attracted to her. So he actually moved in too too quickly. Um, And that was just a lot of fun because, you know part of it is the balance of whenever you have a hero who is basically frankly lying to the heroine mm-hmm. um you know it's a little risky because you run the risk of people being like, "I don't like this guy like she's nice. What is he doing? He you know, um so, but Ford always felt funny about it, um, and that was kind of the what I tried to show was that it wasn't easy for him. To fool her, he had spent his entire life tricking people. And that's part of what he needed to do, like be someone other than he was. But when it came to her, it was difficult from the beginning because he felt something for her.
0: And with a suspense hero or an action hero, the reason he's lying is fundamentally good. Mm
2: -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not
0: like he's lying or he's hiding something because he's selfish. Like, I don't want you to find out that the only reason I'm talking to you is because there was a bet or there's there's no reason he's trying to hide something so that her opinion of him won't change. He has to lie. He doesn't like lying, but the fundamental reason that he's lying is something that's on the whole morally good. Right. And and it's still that's a, a hard balance. It, it's really hard. And and readers have again
1: once it's out in the world, people are going to say whatever they want. And some readers like it, and some and I do, but some readers don't. They don't like. You know, there, there are people who say he should have told her right away who he was. I'm like, it's not realistic. I mean, he's, he like thinks her cousin is a really bad kid. You know, it's, it's, uh, uh, so it's a, it's a hard balance of kind of, um, when he goes ahead and admits to who he is, um, when you do that in the book and how you kind of keep readers interested, keep everything going.
2: And I thought the, uh the cousin was an interesting Mm -hmm. choice, too, because, you know, a lot of times um, the the villains in these books get sort of typecast as being, you know, very politically savvy or part of some sort of, you know, ISIS type group. And he's really just like an angry, emotionally dysfunctional kid who's too smart for his own good. And I think that that actually rings True. Like when I was talking about that anthrax story here, I mean, that was basically you, that was exactly who this person was that did this. It was, you know, a, a a screwed up kid who was too smart and had too much time on his hands. And that to me felt very real, you know, as opposed to having this, um, this bad guy who was maybe sort of typecast as the, you know, the, uh, political, um, terrorist,
1: well, and isn't it scarier to think, um, like, you know, you think of, you think of, they have an agenda, they have political motivations, they have whatever they have, but the idea that the really smart kid next door, you always, you know, like you didn't really look at you didn't pay that much attention to whatever that that kid is behind the scenes doing something that could be so awful and he's really smart but does not think at all through what the ramifications of what he's doing are you know he he's um which just felt real to me that somebody you know we all know people who are like way ahead intelligence wise of where they are maturity wise and um we sometimes forget that those things don't match up and he's somebody who it does not match up.
2: Right. So I have a serious question for you now. Okay. Why is it that romance romantic suspense heroes only have one syllable names?
1: (laughs) Well, wait a minute. The, the, in the next one falling hard, his name is Weston. Okay. He goes by West. West, Yeah. Third book is Josiah, which can I just say, That's one of those names that I thought was cool until I had to type it. And maybe that's, maybe that's the answer to that question that you end up writing the hero's name so many times that Mm -hmm. you just wanted to be quick and short. I don't know. That's fine. I, what I did find last year is like even worse than the one syllable name is I had a thing for um, guys with names starting with W like in running hot. The hero's name is Ward in falling hard his name is west i wrote another book where there was a guy named wade I'm like, <laughs> well, clearly i need to just retire the w's for a while and i don't know move on to something Jeez.
0: so what names are completely on your wish list that you cannot use do you have a list of oh i wish that would work but it won't <laughs> um
1: You know, I have, uh, I think, I think we all do this. Like we have family members with names and you're like, that is, that is so far off the table, never going to happen. Um, you know, I I have two brothers, Alan and Scott, Yeah. And I I like, you know, I really, my dad's name is Scott too. And, um, you know, I have a nephew named Brian. So whenever I go to put it down, I'm like, no, no, never, never going to happen. My husband's name is James, which I think is a kind of a great, and he goes by James. I think that's kind of like a great, solid name. I I can't I can't use that. And I have to stay away from Jack because if you let me, I would name every hero Jack, and I have no intelligent explanation for why that would be. So I just I, felt I, I don't I I don't know. I guess I just think that's a uber alpha adventure name or something. I don't know. <laughs> I think
2: that we, we could put together a quiz of guess which. Um, sub-genre of romance this is based on the hero's first name only because because like ford he's gonna be romantic suspense and and like blake's lee that's definitely new adult right i mean we could we could put together a whole quiz i i'm coming up with like an rt event here you guys it's
1: true i like it i like it and it's you know not to sound like a complete geek i keep an excel sheet That, first of all, is names I've used before because I would use the same names in every single book, really. You'd be like, are these people related? Um, (laughs) And I keep a separate, which is names I like that I hear, names that I like, and I write them down because I'm like, oh, that'll be good kind of for the future. So when it's time for me to write a book and I'm thinking about it, I go to that list. and I'm like, is this guy a Ford? Is he a, you know, is he Dan? Who is he? And then I go from there. Uh. I know. Geek.
0: So what are you reading that you really enjoyed?
1: Um, right now I'm reading Rita books. Um,
0: oh, it's judging
1: time. It is judging time. So it is, it is, it is interesting. Um, I do a lot of, when I'm writing, I end up doing a lot of rereading. I am that person who has read books 50, 60, 70 times mm-hmm. Um uh, because if I've read it before, it does not interfere in any way with what I'm writing. It's a complete release for me. Like when I write romantic suspense, I don't read romantic suspense Like while I'm writing that book. But there are, there are romantic suspense authors I, I love. I really enjoy L. Kennedy. I love pretty much a, a huge number of uh, thriller writers. I recently read Lena Diaz, I think hers is called Exit Strategy, that I just really enjoyed. I thought they were well written, um, just kind of fun to read. Mm-hmm. Um, folks a little bit, you know how this is like you know, you read, you read whatever your genre is, and it's like you feel like you're reading the same five people over and over again. Yep. Like has that ever happened to you? And you're like, what am I doing? Like when I started reading romance, I would read, you know, new people and I would just kind of keep. And now I'm kind of more focused in like these same 10 people I read over and over and over again. Um, so I, I have been trying lately to kind of branch out, try new people, but there are people that, you know, I always, have. I love, you know, I'm good friends with Jill Salvis. I read all of her books. Um, uh, I like Lauren Dane. I think, I think their books are sexy. All of those.
0: I usually find that when I'm rereading books that I love, it's because my brain is very stressed and it needs oh. comfort and familiarity. Like, if I'm doing something that's requiring a lot of creative energy, I'm going to go read Devil's Bride, which I've read, all <laughs> oh, 80 or 90 times, maybe. I mean, my coffee like, you pick it up, pages start dripping yes. out. I yes. mean, that's what happens when my brain is stressed. So it could be, you know, a reading is hard, and writing and book promotion is hard. So, heck yeah, read all the things you love.
2: You know, for me as a reader, you develop sort of relationships with these authors that you really love. And I try to to read different authors for the sake of reviewing on the the website, so I'm not just reviewing the same authors over and over again. But um, you know, I, I do the same thing. I know if I'm going to this author, um, like Eloisa James, yeah. I, I, we have a good relationship, and I'm going to more than likely like what she writes, and it's just it's a safe bet. Right. And yeah, it's it's easy to do. Whereas when you when you go to a brand new author, um, sometimes you wind up with mermaid strippers. Well, and we all like we mermaid love mermaid stripper strippers. <laughs> we all like that. But it,
1: it is true. And I think it's a uh, I think you're right about the relationship part. There are kind of those authors that you um, you can depend on. Yep. Like, you you know, even if this might not be your favorite book, there is that author voice resonates with you. Yep. Um, Sometimes and it just clicks. And it just clicks and that's, uh, you know, that is why I'm not a big historical reader, but uh, it, literally Julie Garwood's The Prize has fallen apart. Oh, I love that book. I love that. But I mean, pages came out. I found them in the house, you know, I mean, it was, <laughs> but it, it, was, it was just so, it is so comforting to me. I know exactly what that story is. And, um, and, and it still
0: works. Oh, it, it like, works! That's amazing. How many how many times you read a book like that and it still works? Like, totally wow, works. that's amazing. How does that happen?
1: And I love that hero. There's something about that hero who, um, um, the hero in my second single title in this is is West, who is um, who is in <laughs> playing dirty. He's kind of the a little bit of the sidekick of the hero, um, and he's that he's a retired marine he's big he's quiet he's the guy you send in to get the job done he never complains he gets injured and he's like i'm fine keep going you know he's that guy and there's something about that guy when they fall so hard that is really compelling and um one of the things that was fun is west is a guy who you know, like if you can say something in two syllables, why do you need five sentences? He's that guy. And the heroine is, we need to talk this over. I want to keep talking. And he's like, oh my God, do you ever stop talking? (laughs) (laughs) It's just, uh, there's just something really kind of fun about that, that interplay. And I think of Julie Garwood's The Prize and you've got this, you know, kind of big guy, scarred guy, like Amanda Quick has one too, where he's like, the hero is referred to as the beast of black corn hall or something like that. You know, these kind of big, um, there's just something really compelling about that to me. It works along with marriage of convenience, best friends, babysitter, baby sister, all works for me.
0: Oh, best friends, sibling, Mm -hmm. Mm. It is off limits. That is that is a very particular catnip that totally works. <laughs> I don't know why but it all it works so it well. It always
1: works and I don't know why I have two older brothers so it should kind of squeak me out but um it totally works for me.
0: Well, it's a, it's a sort of a a boundary I've said in the podcast before that there aren't a lot of boundaries keeping people in contemporary times apart from having sex Like there's very few reasons why you can't just go have sex if you want to feel free right. So setting up a boundary like that that is that is understood and my problem is I love the idea of it, but that but I'm very picky about how that idea is deployed yeah, Like, if it's, well, it, we can't hook up because you're my, my best friend's little sister and he'd kick my ass. But you're, shouldn't your best friend know that you're a good person? Yeah. Like, yeah. wouldn't he want your his sister to be with somebody who he already knows and likes? Like, there has to be an other element for it to work for me. Absolutely. It can't just be, well, because reasons and everyone knows those reasons. not <laughs> uh uh-uh. It's a yate
2: sort of novella, and now I've got to find it. Um. And it was just really well done, where the heroine fell in love, the heroine and the the um, with her brother's best friend. But mm-hmm. part of the reason that they didn't hook up was one, it was just about sex initially, mm-hmm. and so they didn't want her brother to know. And you know, why would you involve him in that? Because then if, it's if not it doesn't serious. Work out, it's right. just a fling. And the other thing that was wonderful was they hated each other initially. <laughs> and, and like he was the guy that growing up like she he just drove her nuts and so it was it was a the the brother's best friend but also the I hate you I can't stand you I can't stop thinking about your hair.
0: Damn it. Right. <laughs> and, that's my favorite trope. And it was just
2: it was the best most fun novella. Let me see. I think it's Unbuttoned. And she's that's the other thing. She is like um yes, it's Unbuttoned by Maisie Yates. Her family is really dysfunctional. And as a result, she or her parents were as a result, she's very like proper has her shit together. Mm-hmm. Um, she they they live in a small town, but she has she's like, um, I don't know, if she's the city manager or something like that. And so she's very buttoned up and very um, proper. And he's absolutely the opposite. He's this cowboy who's, you know, never taken anything seriously. And so she wants to like choke him to death because he's not taking things seriously and they have to work together on a project and so it was yeah it was a lot of fun
1: that's awesome i like Maisie. i like her i brother. do too yeah
2: i like her twitter because she's hilarious
1: <laughs> she is hilarious and when you meet the have you met the live version the live version I have is not. Like, yes
0: <laughs> so what are you working on now ma'am um, pimp okay. pimp at will Pimpage, <laughs> pimpage begins now. Pimp it let all. Us, let us go forth and pimp. Let us pimp um, and pimp hard.
1: <laughs> I am, um, I, I, I actually have like a perfect storm where I am actually rereading one more time before I turn in three different books. How about that? God, uh, I know. How about pimpage? Uh, one is the third book in this series uh, called Facing Fire, um, where it's like this overall bad guy who starts in playing dirty by the time you get to facing fire, he comes right at the group, like goes after them, goes after the people they care about. Um, and it, you know, literally starts with a bang and explosion. And the hero is, uh, Josiah. Who's like this,
0: Josiah,
1: Josiah. Who's like this British, you know, well connected comes from a lot of money. Um, kind of guy and he's just he's just kind of turned his back on all of that he he likes to protect and shoot and all that kind of thing uh so that is great fun i'm about to turn that one in and that'll be the that'll be the last of the the trio in uh the bad boys undercover um i write a a uh, series for berkeley heat um uh, which has great covers
0: great (laughs) Great covers covers on those books
1: Great covers. The first two have a uh, uh, female covers, which is a little different for erotic romance, and they're you know clothed. <laughs> and it's, uh, um, the actual the last two books have have men on men only covers. But the uh, I'm finishing up um, the third one, the third single title in that series. It has a a suspensey feel they're not thrillers or anything it has a suspensey feel only because these people are basically burned as cia agents Mm -hmm. and uh um it's kind of the what happens after born after jason Bourne. like now how does he go live his life that's what this series is about um and it's called mine and i'm finishing that one and uh the one i'm about to turn in in about two seconds um is uh, i wrote two books for karina Uh, which are former uh, retired Marine special ops from Camp Pendleton who are opening a gun range um, in San Diego. And uh, uh, this is the second one is called line of fire. The first is chain of command, but line of fire is a best friends, baby sister um, story. And these people, they're just, they're a mess. And um, it's been, It's been fun to write. It's probably one of the more angsty. Like, she has loved him forever. He's back um, from deployment. He's home. And he is just, his wife left him. He's sleeping around. He's he's a mess. And he cannot get it together. And she is like, I'm done loving you. Uh, So that was a fun book to write.
0: Whoa. That's only a little, you know. That's a
1: lot. I told you. Well, what happens is they were all, you know, they're, they're like all due, they're all done. And I do the thing where you kind of sit it aside for a couple days so yep. that you can do a final read. So it just so happens I'm going to read
0: one after the other. And doing the read-it judging.
1: And doing the read-it judging, which is fine, which is good. It's You know, I like I like the read-it judging because I always find books and people um, that I didn't know about. And a couple years ago, I actually – the books were so good – I think I had eight books. Five of my books were finalists. That's how good my pile was. Whoa. Yeah. It was amazing. That's That's cool. Like every book I read, I got to the point where I'm like, is there something wrong? Like, I love everything I'm reading. What is happening? (laughs) They were that, but then they all final. And I was like, okay, they were that good.
0: Oh, that's excellent. (laughs) And you're on the board at RWA. I am. I am. I'm on the national board. So you have a whole other set of responsibilities in addition to like, you know, writing books.
1: Yeah, it takes a little bit of time, I'm not going to lie.
0: <laughs> it, you know, but it's I in
1: all seriousness, I uh I was a divorce attorney, right? Like that's what I did. I did contested custody cases. Try to imagine that's your everyday life. Yeah. And I had never read a romance and I'm 30 years old and somebody hands me three romances. I fell in love with the genre. I am a person who can honestly say reading romance changed my life. Like I was never gonna be a writer. I was never gonna I didn't even read romance. I wasn't gonna write romance. Um it totally changed the direction of my life and what I do for a living. And um, you know, you gotta give something back when somebody something gives you that much. So that's why I'm on the
2: I cannot tell you how excited I am for this what happens after the Jason Bourne book. <laughs> I'm going back to that because I my little ears perked up and I haven't stopped thinking about it since you <laughs> talked about it. So you the should fourth, turn that in quickly.
1: The, <laughs> the first one, there are two. The first one is Chain of Command, and it actually comes out uh March 9th. So very soon, like two weeks. Um, and uh and he is just a good guy heroin a hero. And um you know, they they have a lot of stuff that keeps them apart, but the um it was just he's not PTSD. He's not, I mean, I, those stories are great, but I didn't want that story. I wanted a guy who literally what he's trying to do is he just wants a home. Like he just, he's, he's lived out of a a bag. He's, you know, he wants a home. He wants the people he cares about around him. Um, and certain things, uh, need to have happened in the heroines incidentally in his way. Um, but he's like a dirty talking, like sex, good guy. Um, Marine, and that's Chain of Command, and then Line of Fire is uh, His Sister and His Best Friend, and that one is, uh, I believe, the end of June.
2: I read an interview or an article once about the the most not the one with Jeremy Renner, the most recent Bourne movie with um, with, uh, Matt Damon. And he was supposed to be very strung out and exhausted in that movie. And coincidentally, his wife had just had their first baby. And so Mm -hmm. he would show up on the set, like completely exhausted because they had an infant and he wasn't sleeping at all at night. And the director was like, that is uh, do not put any makeup on him. It is (laughs) perfect.
1: There are a lot of kind of military post-deployment books out there. And, uh, and some of them are really great. There's a lot of PTSD. I just, I wanted, you know, these these guys aren't, things have happened to them and they are absolutely impacting them, but they're trying to like, how do I put this life back together? And I live in San Diego, which is a huge military town. And uh, I have great respect for these guys coming home. So it, it was just, it was just fun. And frankly, the entire idea for the series came out of, um, there was a, a you know where do ideas come from? There was a living social deal for like six hours at a gun range. We'll let you, cho- you we'll let you shoot four different types of weapons. And um, I got fellow author Melissa Cutler, and we went and we had a great day. And these guys were retired Pendleton, and I thought, well, wouldn't this be an interesting story? What happens when the guys <laughs> come home and they're trying to put their lives back together?
2: So, what'd you do for work today? Oh, I went and shot four different types of guns. <laughs> I know. I know.
1: It was so much fun. It was so much, fun. but you know, every day is like that. Like the the second single title, "Falling Hard," is set in Skardu, Pakistan. So my husband will come home and he'll be like, "What did you do today?" I'm like, "Well, I spent three hours trying to figure out what Skardu, Pakistan looks like." And and uh, you know, I mean, it's, and
0: thanks to Google Maps, there's a lot of places you can take a tour of. Well,
1: there, there are, but you you know what you you come up with these ideas. You know, like that book came out of this idea. I was reading a um, nonfiction book on Himalayan mountain climbing. Like you do? Like you do. uh, Which is hysterical because I'm afraid of a stepladder. I I read Himalayan climbing books all the time. And it had this reference to Fearless Five. And it's like this helicopter group that can go up like 20,000 feet and rescue people off K2, the second highest mountain in the world. And I was like... How cool is that? My heroine could work at a at a uh, clinic, and you know, et cetera. And then, of course, you start looking, and you realize that Fearless Five is. Pakistani Army Squadron 5, and your whole story changes. But it's, uh, you know, ideas come from everywhere. And once you start, you start looking. But yeah, I'm sure the computer searches with toxin gas and Skardu Pakistan could get me in a little trouble if if they put those together.
2: (laughs) And I think, you know, with romantic suspense, you're not going to take a vacation and write it off as research. Right. Because you're never you're never going to go to these places that I hope that you're writing about.
1: But but, you know, I have to admit, I the first scene in uh, playing dirty, um, you know, these guys are like in Hampstead Heath, which is just outside Mm -hmm. of London. I actually had written the beginning of playing dirty. And then my husband and I went on a 15 year anniversary trip to London and Paris and we went out to Hampstead Heath, and we're looking across this beautiful area with these lovely buildings. And I turned to my husband, and I was like, I could totally blow this place up. Is the first thing <laughs> in thing dirty. He's like, not right. You're just not right. But that's exactly where – see, so we can even make good vacation spots.
2: Yeah. Meanwhile, your husband's like, why are you exploding all our happy vacation? <laughs> I know, I
1: know. I'm looking at vacation pictures. He's like, that's nice. I'm like, no, no, I'm trying to figure out which building I would blow up. Yeah,
0: he's used to it now. He's he's okay. <laughs> so I have one more question. Mm-hmm. Of all of the skills, the special skills that you've given your characters, which one would you most like to have? The, the, the marksmanship, the ability to disappear, the ability to just knock people out with your pinky nail. I mean, is there a skill that you wish you had that applied to you? I would say it's kind of a bigger
1: thing. It's this fearlessness idea, Mm -hmm. right? Like, especially the guys in this series, they don't think twice of putting themselves in a position of peril. Yep. Um, And I am the person who, if, um, you know, if The Walking Dead ever happens, I'll be hiding in my closet. (laughs) I mean, I'm not, I could, I could pretend to you that I will be the person coming out killing zombies and saving the world. I will be crying in a ball in my closet. I just know I will. (laughs) Um, So this kind of sense of, of, um, you know, we all are like, if people we love are in trouble, we could stand up and do everything. And I think that's true. But these guys who can stand up and do it for the greater good. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd cry. I'd cry. So that fearlessness. <laughs> I wish I had that. no matter what, I can conquer this. But I told you I can't even conquer a stepladder, so I'm, I'm not sure how I would how I would do that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I know Helen K versus a stepladder. Stepladder one, Helen K0. Yes.
2: <laughs> Elise, do you have any other questions? No, thank you for for letting us talk to you. This was really fun.
1: Thank you so much, and and I'm so happy you like the series. I thank you so much. That makes that makes my day. It really does.
2: Well, thank that- you for making my flight to New Jersey less horrific than it was. <laughs> so on the way back, obviously, he, he, you can put this in the podcast if you want. You don't have to. I I was on one of those little commuter jets where it's two seats on one side, two seats on the other side, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting next to he. He was a complete Jersey dude, Sarah. Like super tan, super like. I picked things up, I put them down. He looked like he'd be on Jersey Shore, right? But he's really nice. And he was going to a job interview in Chicago, and we're flying, and our flight is late. So the pilot was just booking it to get there. We're not going to avoid any weather, whatever. We're just going to fly straight through it. And we're doing the turbulence drops where you do like the big ones, mm-hmm. you know yeah. what I mean? And I am freaking out and I'm like, doing Hail Marys in my head and we drop and I just lean over and without even thinking about it I grab his thigh and I <laughs> squeeze it right? and I'm like I'm so sorry I'm so sorry he's like no it's okay I'm like no I'm really sorry I just I'm like I sexually assaulted you I apologize for <laughs> right? poor man the whole flight
0: <laughs> yes you needed some Helen Kay and you did not have that's <laughs> right <No. laughs> I can send you falling hard. That way you're ready for your next flight. <laughs> there
2: you
0: go. I think she right. would probably appreciate that more than you could possibly know. <laughs> yes.
2: And the person sitting next to me may or may not appreciate it. Yes, yeah,
0: <laughs> Hard to tell. Hard to tell.
2: He was very nice about it, all things considered. Yeah. But
0: and you can hear was oh, I was on this flight and this lady just grabbed my leg. Oh, my God. I got bruises. <laughs>
2: I'm not going to lie. It was like close to the junk area. Right? It was,
1: no. <laughs> well, if you're going to go, go big. That's right. right.
2: This is like every time I fly, some sort of disaster happens. I was flying home from work one time and I'm sitting in this uh, this restaurant and there's this really young soldier. Um, I don't know if he's flying out, flying home, whenever he's in his fatigues. And all I could think about was, like, I just came from this meeting basically where a bunch of dudes who make too much money talked about, like, blowing each other for, you know, five hours. And now this kid's coming home from Afghanistan or whatever. And he's, right. like, 18. So I bought his dinner i you know i flagged the waitress over and i thought it was just like a thank you for your service thing and when he realized he looked at me like holy shit is she trying to pick me up who is this lady right he thought we were gonna go get it out in the bathroom i was like no 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 i am no you don't have to be afraid it's okay
0: okay that's a great story actually that have you just had a plot bunny poke its head up from under the bed and go hey now i have i'm like okay if there's a
1: third book in the what happens after their home, mm-hmm. how good would that be?
0: <laughs> and that is all for this week's podcast. Thank you very much to Helen Kay and to Elise for hanging out with us. If you would like information about all of the books we mentioned, and there were plenty, they will be in the podcast entry for this particular episode at smartbitchestrashybooks.com and at Dear Author. So fear not, and don't write and drive. You know not to try to write down book titles while you're driving, right? Of course you do. This podcast was brought to you by Intermix, publisher of Bear Attraction, the new sizzling hot novella in the Shifters Unbound series from the New York Times best-selling author, Jennifer Ashley. You can download it wherever ebooks are sold. The music you're listening to was provided by Sassy Outwater. This is from Caravan Palace. This track is called Bamboos. You can find Caravan Palace music on Amazon. You can find them on Facebook. And you can find them on iTunes. Next week, I have a conversation with Elise, who is currently taking a quiet home-based staycation because she's switching jobs. And we have a long conversation about comfort reading and reading that you want when you're very stressed and very, very tired. If you have questions or suggestions, or you want to ask us something, or you want us to pass a message along to another person, or, you know, you want to email us about this great sudden inheritance that we've suddenly come into where we have to marry a guy named Chet and live in a mansion, because that happens all the time, right? You can email us at SBJpodcast at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at SmartBitches. You can find Jane on Twitter at Dear Author. You can find Elise on Twitter at Elise Indeed. That's E-L-Y-S-E. I-N-D-E-E-D. And you can find Helen K. Diamond at Helen K Diamond, all one word. H-E-L-E-N-K-A-Y-D-I-M-O-N. Thank you again very much for listening. And on behalf of Jane, Elise, Helen Kay, and myself, we wish you the very best of reading. Have a great weekend.